0: Hello everyone, welcome to Samaria's Harem. I am Samaria Viran Gill and this is my podcast on all things spiritual, sexual, love, relationships and all other things taboo that we don't talk about that we should be speaking about. Today my guest is the amazing Magda Kay. Magda is an intimacy expert, a tantra teacher and a conscious relating coach. Now, I met Magda, I think back in 2016, when I myself had just moved back to Kuala Lumpur after many, many years away. And at that time, I believe Magda had just left Mind Valley, or she had left maybe briefly before that. And she was beginning to explore this amazing space of wellness and Tantra. Over to you, Magda. Mm,
1: first of all, thank you so much for having me. And yes, we did meet quite many years ago. I don't even remember how or when, but it was such a beautiful time. It was in Kuala Lumpur, Malaysia. Like you said, it was just the beginnings. And you know, if I am to share my story of becoming an intimacy coach, I think, you know, it's, it's what we sometimes hear that like trust the path, even if you only see a few meters ahead of you, but just keep walking, trusting that more and more of the path will reveal itself to you, right? Like driving at night and the lights only show you a few meters ahead of you. And when I look back at it, this is really how it's been. Um, At the time when we met, I did not have the vision of doing what I'm doing now. I first stepped into healing mode, I discovered theta healing, which helped me move through a very painful time in my life. So I started offering sessions in theta healing. Then I went into the femininity work. And I went deeper into tantra and sexual practices for my own healing. That was like, I had my own issues that I wanted to fix. (laughs) Um, One of them was that I wasn't having orgasm and I actually lost the relationship because of that. Uh, And in fact, it was um, in Malaysia, I think, before we met. Um, So the fact that I wasn't having orgasm was like, it was really painful to him. He didn't know how to deal with this. It was just, you know, hitting his masculine pride and eventually we started drifting apart. So when that relationship ended, it, it really served like a proper kick in my ass to look at it and to own that my sexuality and my orgasm is up to me. And so I started looking into tantra and sexual practices, which back then, you know, it wasn't as available as it's now. Now, if you go on Google and you write tantra, you're going to get so many resources, but still at that time, that was not available. Like this, this, these things were not out there. Um, so it took me a few years, you know, trying to follow and search and ask until I started meeting people going deeper and deeper. And the more I was going, you know, into Tantra for myself, the more it was impacting my work until it became my work.
0: That is amazing Magda, that is really really interesting that you know we meet people that move us towards where we're meant to be. Um, Can you share a little bit with us as to why do you think intimacy is spiritual, why is it that you know we all have this bond with intimacy, why is why why I mean it's I know it's obvious to some that yeah of course it's a spiritual experience but but why?
1: I think, to me, it comes down to what intimacy truly is. So for me, intimacy lives in that space between the physical experience and the energy, more subtle or spiritual experience. Unfortunately, most people don't connect to energy. They they don't have faith because you can be religious, you can be spiritual, but it's about recognition of something that is not material that you maybe cannot touch, but you feel its presence. And because most people unfortunately don't have access to it, right? We live live in times so focused on science and proof and logic. So people are disconnected from those subtle realms. And so we rely just on the physical experience. And in my opinion, this is why most people don't actually experience intimacy. Because intimacy doesn't exist just on a physical level. That's the physical connection. For many people, this is literally what sex is. It's a connection of two physical bodies. But intimacy is, is vaster. It's, it's broader than that. I think there is an element of, of physicality. Like you need, for example, um, physical proximity. Touch, engaging all the senses is very much helpful and needed. But intimacy in my opinion, lives in that subtle realm because intimacy is the connection and then it's whatever is the right word for someone. You can say it's the connection of the souls, connection between the hearts, connection between your even electromagnetic field. For me, it really doesn't matter what is the word you want to use. So when you say like, is intimacy spiritual or why is it spiritual? It is because this is exactly where it exists. And we have to bring this element of subtle sensations of your existence beyond the physical body to even be able to experience intimacy. So for me, someone who fully denies spirituality, who denies subtle realms, who denies energy, for me, that's a sign that this person is not experiencing true intimacy. And I think something very interesting um, for us to observe is if you ever meet someone who's extremely, for example, religious, um, like my grandma was very, very religious, um, so she would pray to God every day, go to church, um, which, by the way, didn't necessarily translate into her being a very good human being, but she was very religious, Uh, and then we have very spiritual people who, again, have this connection to divine God, Shiva, Shakti. Notice that their relationship with that energy is extremely intimate is extremely intimate even though there's no physical aspect so literally for me the definition of intimacy is that it is a spiritual experience
0: what you're saying is absolutely wonderful stuff right um So for my listeners, um, I'm currently recording in an environment where there is a child who is um, finding it difficult to go back to sleep in these early hours of the morning when this recording is taking place, right? And um, I I can hear him crying. And, you know, you speak about intimacy being um, an electromagnetic experience. Like we can't help but realize even when we are with people, that there is some kind of connection. It's not just, even if it's a passerby, they have this impact on you. And, you know, here we have an entire child created out of a sexual experience, you know, a whole bond created out of a sexual experience. So even the smallest interaction with someone has this this wave that, that affects you. And when you bond with someone physically, even if they touch you, there is that wave created. And of course, the extent to which you experience sex um, with someone allows you to even create a whole new energy. So yes, you're absolutely right. It is an energetic spiritual experience and it's, it's undeniable. Um, But at the base level, so, so many of us have connected it to just this physical aspect because we don't We don't live in that space of energy as much as we probably should. Do you think that's right, Magda?
1: I do. I really do. And um, I have to tell you, after living in a tantric community for a few years, where everyone is very open. Now, I'm not going to say that these communities are perfect. There is shadow everywhere. But the one beautiful thing about these communities is the incredible openness of people. When you meet someone... The way you the way you hug them the way you talk about uh, talk to uh, sorry the way you talk to them even what you talk about it's a whole different experience and i will be very honest with you since i moved out of these communities i've been feeling a little bit like fish outside of water because it's weird for me people don't hug don't embrace you they give you a fist bump Um, the conversation doesn't go very deep. I don't even feel the flow of like life force or sexual energy between people because people feel so uncomfortable expressing this. They wait until, you know, Friday evening when they go out and they had a few drinks and this is when they can like open up to people. And I've been personally struggling a little bit with this because I'm just kind of shocked and confused how to talk to people, how to connect to people, because, you know, I've done all of this work to open up. And now I'm just like, oh, wait, not everyone is in this space. Um, And so through contrast, I'm seeing this. I'm being reminded because, of course, that's how I used to be before, you know, I got into Tantra and did all of this work and started working on my own body. um, I was the same. And it's such an interesting contrast for me now to be reminded of that. And finding a way, how can I still connect in the most intimate way with people, even though they don't have this energetical experience on their, you know, in their daily lives. Um, but it's really sad, I would have to say, because you feel, at the same time, I feel and I see people really longing for that depth, And it's like they're absolutely unaware how to get it because no one told them that it comes through those subtle spiritual experiences. They think that, you know, the more they go out of their friends, the more they party, the more they laugh, the more they're just having normal traditional sex that this will bring that deep connection. And it doesn't, you know, when we met, I don't remember if it was when we met or before that, when I lived in Kuala Lumpur, I went out every weekend. I was drinking and partying. It's because that was the only way that I knew to get connection, to feel that I belong. But it was never fulfilling. Like I always had this feeling of emptiness afterwards because it wasn't real. It wasn't deep. And only through incorporating like, my own soul, my heart, like talking to myself, only through these practices that I actually start understanding and feeling what that true intimacy is. So yes, I do feel that it's it's really sad, to be honest, that our society is so strongly focused on just logical aspects of just material world of, you know, it's like, unless science proves that something exists, then it doesn't exist, right? I mean, as far as I'm aware, science hasn't yet proven love, although the only thing we talk about is chemicals in the brain. It's like, we're trying to take these deep, powerful phenomena and we want to like scientifically prove them or analyze them and we're destroying the magic. So I honestly wish that people allow themselves to be a little more crazy, a little bit woohoo, a little bit witch like witchy, because that would really translate into more intimacy and more fulfillment.
0: That's amazing, Magda. What you just shared there is so, so, so open. And um, I love the anecdote you made to the Friday evening when people finally let go and have drunk, they've lost four and a half days throughout the week of that connection with themselves and it's just friday afternoon by the time it's saturday morning they're back to getting ready for monday again um this flu of mine oh it's it's <laughs> pouring it's pouring out it's pouring um and and um it's 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 one of these things right that we we live in denial of i guess because in ultimate, in ultimate truth, we don't trust ourselves. So we don't trust the world around us with who we truly are. And we're not intimate enough with ourselves. It's like if we truly took that moment to trust the actual feelings, the actual truth within us, and allow that to be the the way we live our life, things would probably be really, really different. You experienced to some extent that when you lived in a tantric community. Now, just for everyone to understand, a tantric community is a community where the ideals of tantra are practiced in the community. So, of course, no one is an ideal tantric practitioner. I, I don't believe anyone can be in the human physical form. But um, we, in, in a tantric community, people who are learning it would strive to be. And I guess that's why they're open, Magda. Would you say that's the case?
1: I got so caught on something you said that I'm just like, whoa. So let me just take a few steps back. Sure. I love what you said about you have to know yourself. You have to be intimate with yourself. You have to trust yourself. And I feel so much of this desperate reaching out to other people through partying, alcohol, sex, relationships, is because we desperately desire to connect to ourselves. And the more we do that, right? The more we do that, the more full we feel. And then of course we still are going to reach out to the external world because we are part of this, but it, it differs. Like that, that sensation is so different so like I always kind of you know joke about it that I'm schizophrenic, because like I talk to myself. Like there's different personalities, different aspects of myself that live inside of me, and I talk to all of them. Um, but that's how I get to know myself. And through that, I'm getting a deeper sense of intimacy with myself, which allows me to connect deeper to someone, because if I don't know who I am, if I don't know what I truly want, if I don't know what excites me, then how can I actually build an intimate relationship with someone else, right? Like I need to know who I am. So that takes me to what you said about the tantric community. And by the way, I fully agree with you. No one no one is ideal. There's a lot of shadow in those communities. Like the community that I was a part of, um, it was around the specific tantra school that Um, basically shut down because of the allegations of abuse and rape. So this is just to show you that, no, this is far from being ideal. But I think these communities, what they do offer is a lot of deep yogic practices like meditation, self-reflection, a lot of tapas, tapas, which is uh, like a spiritual challenge, silence, um, a lot of these different tools that are designed to help us create that connection with ourselves and you can call it with my truth with my heart with my soul with my higher self or with you know my schizophrenic parts whatever you want to call it but it's a connection with myself and and this is definitely something that later allows people to open up but i also think you know I think the beauty of those communities is that like this is kind of the definition of what this community is. So quite honestly, when I'm in a big city, I'm not as open because it's a different environment. Uh, I don't mm-hmm. feel as safe. I don't see as received. I know it sounds kind of maybe bad, but when I'm back, back um, at home with my parents, I know what is their ability to handle my emotions and me. Um, Many years ago, when I was actually suicidal and I told my father about it, he just gaslit me because he couldn't handle it. So I don't want to be that intimate with my parents because the last thing I want to be is gaslighted for expressing the deepest, most sensitive emotions. And I think these communities, these tantric or conscious communities, they basically give you a safe space to express yourself. Because if you do show parts of yourself, the broken parts, the the fearful parts, no one gaslights you. You're being received. You're being held. And through this, you're learning that it's okay to express this. It's okay to be so vulnerable. It's safe. People will hold you. People will receive you. That changes the whole story, which is why I am okay getting to that level of intimacy with even a stranger while well, like we said most people they need alcohol to do it right because alcohol makes them feel safer and more comfortable but without alcohol they really struggle
0: that is that is so 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 true um it's probably not just alcohol i think it's anything that makes you switch off i even think when people scroll on social media they're more vulnerable, which is even more dangerous. So it's like anything that they use um, as as a level of addiction to numb their emotions, um, because they're they 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 don't understand their emotions. Is is that is that is that switch off tool? Um, and and it's I mean the other thing that I feel you are bringing up in me as we have this conversation is the realization that tantra right it's a set of techniques, of course, to to achieve a level of spiritual elevation in the body. But that spiritual um, elevation isn't achievable without the understanding of the word open and receive because it doesn't exist for many of us at that level. It's like even if you were to learn how to move the energy through your body, the ability to sustain that or get to the level uh, where you, you are initiated in it isn't going to be possible if you don't understand these concepts, if you don't embody these concepts. Is that
1: yes? I do yeah. find it very true. And I'll tell you, um, I also offer one-on-one sessions in person. So this is different forms of body work, um, different tantric techniques, breath work, etc., together. And Especially now that I have stepped away from the tantric community and I live, well, right now I'm in Bali, but I'm in a pretty like um, Western environment and I'm spending more and more time in big cities in Europe. And I would do the sessions with clients, and often they would tell me that they didn't really feel much. And it's something I'm still learning, like how to communicate it to them. Because um, when you say about openness, so there is one practice, which I personally love, and it's the Awaken of the Senses Ritual. And basically what you do in this ritual is that you spend five to 10 minutes on each of the senses. So a person is blindfolded. And then, so, you know, when you're blindfolded, you don't really know what's happening. So your other senses get more acute and sharp. And then the first you tease a person with different scents, then you feed them different foods. Then you play with the sound. You may whisper something into their ear and so on on each of the senses. So when i was receiving this ritual um in one of the tantric uh, workshops when someone started whispering to my body like my energy just shoot down it was such a weird experience it's like like i got like it was like an electrical shock that went down my body all the way to my toes and involuntary my toes crawled like i had like a cramp in my toes which happens when a lot of energy gets discharged this is my experience i've seen multiple people going into energy orgasm in that ritual and then i sometimes have Mm -hmm. clients that experience this ritual and they say yeah i didn't really feel much and the missing element is what you're saying the openness and the receiving and i would say um you know imagine actually a good friend of mine, um, she recently started a weight loss journey and she got to the point when she was very stressed and she got really overweight. So she wanted, she wanted, I think, to release like 20 or 30 kilos in total. You know, so she's beginning and she has a meal plan and she has a special um, exercise plan, right? And you're starting your first week, second week, and you're doing everything you're told, but you're not actually seeing results. Now, three months after... She lost 14 kilos. That's amazing. But it takes consistency for something to shift in your body and then you have the results. And it's the same here. You know, we need to do practices that allow for this switch in our body to take place that makes us open and receive. And this doesn't have to be done through tantra. This can be done through yoga, meditation, breath work. I personally like breath work the most because it's. I, I find that breath is such a powerful tool to open the body, like crack the body open. I personally love inner dance, so these practices I think they're great. But whatever whatever practice you do, um, you know, do it enough so it opens your body, your physical and energy body. And then from that place, even the simplest tantric technique can literally take you into outer space. Like I've had my deepest spiritual experiences through tiny little things because someone touched me, because someone whispered into my ear. I didn't require a lot, but I did do a lot of work before that allowed for the switch in my body to happen that made me more open and receptive. And to me, this is essential. I'm so happy you brought it up because it really is essential. And this is where a person needs to understand, look, it's going to take some time before I feel the difference. And if your whole life you've been living from a place of contraction, so you don't even understand how it feels in your body to be open, you have to trust. You have to trust because you will one day you will feel it. But for now, you just have to go through the practices trusting that one day something will click.
0: Amazing. That is that is so, so, so well said. Um, something will click because that is essentially it. I feel that moment when you realize, oh, my goodness, what have I been doing all this while? And that that embodiment sets in that that inner strength that like I got it. You know, I can feel that connection with someone that I did not feel before. Um, I just want to take this moment to validate you as well on the statement you made just now about how we should be more aware of these energies and not wait for for signs. To confirm any of this stuff, right? Because um, I may have mentioned this in an earlier podcast, but that was the story with me. So I um, was an early starter in the space. I back in um, I think it was two thousand and two, two thousand and three, when I went for my first meditation course with Doctor Deepak Chopra in LA. I went all the way there. I was living in London at the time. I went all the way, all the way there. And then I came back to Ernst Young where I worked, and everyone was laughing at me for practicing meditation. Um, and here we are, 2023, look around you. It's like the wellness industry has become a huge thing. You know, we've got apps called Headspace that are worth billions. Um, it's, 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 it was me trusting myself to open myself up to that journey. And it, it, you, you have no idea where your heart can actually take you if you let it.
1: Yes, I love it. Um, honestly, it's like, you know, I'm actually, sorry. Um, what, what I believe is that we have like different sources of wisdom in our body. And I think that the logical brain is one of them. But you have a logical brain and then you have your heart and you have your gut, right? And, and all of these voices will be guiding us a little bit differently. And I don't think it's right to say that one of them is more important. Like logic should not overwrite your heart. They should coexist and support each other. You know, they're meant to be a team. They're not meant to fight for who is right and who is going to take power from the other. And I think that this is the sad thing about our society is that like, it seems like a competition between the mind and the heart instead of realizing that they're meant to coexist. Because also without the mind, if you just go with your heart, like, you know, l- love doesn't conquer all. I know it's a beautiful concept, but it doesn't. Um, so we do need some mind, right? If, you, if you're going into the relationship, you shouldn't just be with someone because you love them. You do need some logic there as well. But ignoring the heart and trying to live your life just from the head is just as kind of ridiculous. Because the head is not equipped to handle certain things. And and it's really, for me, the union of these that allows us to move forward. And I don't know, I feel like, you know, in the Western world, we are so stubborn about following the logic and science over everything else. To be honest, I was thinking about it the other day, Um, You know, there is the saying, I I don't know who said that because my dad shared this quote with me when I was a kid and it stayed with me. So I do not know who actually is the original author, but he said that when it comes to God, if God didn't exist, we would have to create one. And it's basically to represent the fact that as, as a society, humans need God. And so whether God is real or not, you know, we would still create one. And what I think is when you look at how in the Western world people look at science, they've turned science to God. If you, think, if you feel like, what is the definition of God or religion, right? It's like you have one God and you obey God no matter what, right? You don't question God because God is omnipotent, omnipresent, omni-knowing. And if you think mm. of it, this is literally how people approach science. Science cannot be wrong. You don't question science, right? You just take it. Science has all the answers. And it's like, you guys are literally worshiping science. And so for me, so I guess, true. right? It's because of this attachment to science that people are unable to consider other paths because it would feel like I am cheating on my God. And 10 commandments say, do not have other gods ahead of me, right? And I feel like this is literally what people are doing.
0: It's it's interesting that you 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 say that it's um, as as a Western thing, and I can I can resonate as to why you'd say that. But you know, as someone that has uh, experience living in Asia and in in the Western world at the moment, I think it's also very prevalent in Asia. It's because they don't trust their own wisdom. I mean, at the end of the day, yoga came from the east. It grew because the Western world were able to fully utilize it and make it into uh, a a practice. And then it gave confidence to the Eastern world. Oh, maybe we do have some wisdom that actually works. And let's put it into practice. Um, it's, it's, It's quite something, the extent to which we don't trust our inner self um and we're we're still on that journey of self discovery i believe but you're you're absolutely right about the whole omnipotent thing and how we 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 feel we need to give our power away to something else to give us that validation when the power's inside us
1: by the way love you're absolutely right i'm using just the western world so like loosely but i don't even know why we're using this term it's so incorrect so my True. apologies because it's 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 um I don't even know what would be the better term because I don't think it's West versus East and what is West, right? Because depending on where you are on the planet, what is West (laughs) and what is East? Um, So you're absolutely uh, right. And if anyone can come up with a better term to describe this mentality, I'm very happy. To you guys yeah
0: it's not geo, geo, geographical anymore anyway it's like we're this global di- dimension it's within us it's within us this this need to be validated by something external thank you magda such and- powerful powerful <laughs> discussions thank you um so Even
1: in West, I- if you think of poland we have uh-huh. you know traditionally we've had big cities and we had like the aristocrats but we also had the villages and countryside. And countryside has always been shamanic, right? So even in the West, yeah. we always had spirituality. So I think this is more of actually discussion between like classes within a society rather than yeah geography or a specific country. But it's yeah, it's it's a big conversation.
0: <laughs> Absolutely, and you know um, I recently read this book called Wintering by Catherine Mee. And um, she's half Finnish and she kind of opened me up to the whole spiritual aspect that exists in Finland, you know, in the countryside, because there's a huge connection to nature. There's a reason why um, these these Nordic countries um, have their own wellness strategies is because of their own culture and their own re- re- relationship with the land and nature around them. So it's everywhere. It's everywhere it's not just yogic traditions, it's shamanic traditions, as you mentioned, Magda, yes, and I love heritage, I love, I love knowing this Polish side of you, and, and, you know, that, that natural side to everyone, it's so beautiful.
1: Well, to be fair, I haven't explored it as much, Uh, I think, there's exactly like you said, you know, the traditions of the countryside in basically every country. Uh, it's so deep. It's so powerful. It's so tantric and shamanic. It's connected yeah, to nice. nature. Mm, my mom is from this a small village. And the funny thing is, so my mom comes from the countryside and my father, on the other hand, his family actually has, like aristocratic blood. So we're talking about, you know, people from higher class and everything. And there is there's always been an incredible judgment from my father's family towards my mom and her family. At least in my country, right? Like historically, people from the countryside were considered stupid, you know, not as evolved, like in some way worse. And I think this is also why a lot of these shamanic and tantric practices have been suppressed it's because they come from there right they come from the villages logic was coming from the salons and the upper class that's kind of my take on it so in poland we don't have the tradition is not very alive I get like few tips from my mom. Like you said, you know, the, the healing traditions, right? Um, I get just yeah. a few tips from her of what she used to do when she was a kid. Um, but a lot of it is lost. And to be honest, I do feel sad. And I don't know, maybe one day I will be called to explore it, to receive the teacher, to receive the downloads. Um, it's, it's a very interesting path. And I do recognize that. You know, I am Polish for a reason. I come from this land for a reason. It hasn't yet fully revealed itself to me, but I I used to really dislike the fact that I'm from Poland. I felt like there's nothing interesting about this country. I no longer feel that. I'm very, very happy and very proud. Just like, you know, for you coming from, from your land, right? We, we have, like, we're getting something from the land that we come from. That's my belief.
0: Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, I think that you said that very, very beautifully. Even that is an acceptance, a a journey of receiving who we truly are, accepting uh, the wholeness of it. I definitely, as I was growing up, I had issues with being brown. I didn't like the fact that I was hairy, but, you know, all the hair went away as I grew older, I guess. But... (laughs) <laughs> being being brown means you're 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 hairier than the others, especially you know when you're growing up in Asia and you've got all these like um uh Chinese, Asian Asians around you who are not hairy, you're like, wow, you know, how is it that they have no hair? Um but yeah, it's it's these little oh things <laughs> that make you go, why, why, why am I like this? But um, yes, yes, as you grow older, you you discover an intimacy about yourself that I would never exchange with anyone now. I love who I am, and I love this journey, and I love my, my my roots, and I love discovering other people's roots. This is it. It's like the more intimate I get with myself and my own roots and who I am and my journey and what my body's trying to tell me, the more I can relate to someone else.
1: Yes, and I I also found that I actually get to accept people more because the more I, like, you know, you said about the hair, I've always been very hairy. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. So I, I I heard this, um, I, I, you know, I'm not a doctor. I don't know if it's 100% um, true, but apparently wh- if you have dark hair, like I have dark hair and dark eyes, that basically means you have more testosterone and testosterone is what makes you more hairy. This is why like Latinas, they have a very strong sex drive. They're very sexual, but they're also naturally more hairy. So, that's something I heard when I was younger.
0: Ooh,
1: I am naturally quite a woman, <laughs> and and yeah, it's it's been like a bit of an issue. And I always I always kind of joke is like, why is it that all the hair on my body grows so fast, apart from the hair on my head?
0: <laughs> I think and the hairy it, woman made this theory, but definitely worth checking out. Everyone, there might be some truth in it. Sounds really interesting.
1: Um, yeah so there is a a lot of it you know even like with my smell that's also been an interesting journey for myself I do I do sweat a lot and um, I am a big 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 fan and proponent of going as natural as we can so I don't use deodorants if anything I'll use a lemon I Don't really use a soap or toothpaste. I have like all natural replacements for that. Um, But also learning to love my natural smell, which is something our society doesn't like. You should smell like perfume. So learning all of these things about myself, having that intimate connection with me, naturally translate into more acceptance towards others. And basically this allowance, like allowing other people just to be themselves. Right. So if someone is hairy or whatever, even if someone is like overweight or does stupid things, whatever, I'm like, hey, this is your path, your journey. Right. And I don't need to judge. I don't need to tell you to change. Like I have found for myself way more acceptance of other people. And it feels so good because, oh, my God, in the past, like all this judgment of other people, it takes so much energy. Oh, my goodness.
0: I so, so, so agree. And, you know, hair turns a lot of people on as I've grown up and realized uh, being hairy. I mean, like in, in France, I believe they love hairy armpits. They keep their armpits hairy. Um, you know, having I mean, a lot of people actually even shave off their 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 pubic hair these days. Right. They get it waxed or whatever it is. Um, and I've done that, too. And it's it's a personal thing. But I know there's a lot of people out there who who love having that, who love seeing that and it turns them on. Um, It is, it's a personal thing. It's a personal journey. You're absolutely right.
1: And you know what? With the pubic hair. So at some point I tried like sugar waxing of everything, right? Going Brazilian. Uh Uh-huh. And and I I don't know. I did it for a few months. And then one day I got so sad because I was like, what if like I no longer have pubic hair? I realized like, oh my God. And I chose to grow it back. So I I trim it and everything, but I don't want to be fully shaved. I'm like, I was, I I really had the moment when I almost like felt really sad. What if I lost my pubic hair? Because if you, um, if you wax or epilate enough times, right, the the hair doesn't really grow back. And it's like, what if I lost my chance to have pubic hair? And I'm like, I actually, I don't like when men are fully shaved. For example, I'm a very earthy kind of animalistic woman. I like it. And so I don't like when a man is fully shaved. And I think, yeah, it's like like accepting our animalistic part, which is exactly our our hair. Our wild. Yeah, it's like, how how do you wanna be intimate with yourself if you don't allow yourself to be a human being, right? Like it's essential, it's essential. And I think later you can, the more you accept yourself, the more you can accept the other person. you cannot be intimate with someone if you don't accept them. Like acceptance is is an essential element of that.
0: It's it's so so true. I was having this fit of laughter with no sound, you know, that kind of laughter that you have when you're coughing. Uh, that's what I was having when you were talking about. What if my hair doesn't grow back again? Um, this is a thought that I've had as well because I've I've been permanently waxing for 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 years. Um, sorry, it's all laser now as well. Um, um, so I I got comfortable with that fact, and it it took some getting used to to the fact that it's not there anymore, but. But that was the ultimate goal. It's like, oh, I'm going to go and get it done. I'm going to get it done. It's going to be gone. And it really, really, really did go away. But at the same time, um, it it does change you. I think, you know, where, where you have hair and where you don't is a very intimate part of ourselves. And it does change you. Um, so absolutely. And I, I I feel the same about guys. When I see guys without hair, I don't quite understand what's going on. It doesn't feel right for, for me, the ones that I want to be attracted to anyway,
1: <laughs> oh, it's, it's really amazing for me know. It, it takes me back to what we were what we've been discussing here is when a person doesn't trust themselves and then they reach out through so many different ways to find this love and acceptance if you see the practices we do to our bodies and we do this because on one hand we believe that the way we are is wrong right so so basically yeah. if Someone, if someone is just stuck in that mental logical scientific material world and they have no access to the subtle energy world right they're lacking intimacy they conclude that they don't have intimacy in life because something is wrong with them and so instead of just opening up themselves for more energy practices like Tantra they try to change their physical body because they're still operating on a physical level and what yeah. are this is oh shaving whatever you want to shave Whatever this is getting fake boobs love in bali this like now it's like every woman has the same face they all have Botox, they all have fillers in their lips and yeah. it's like you see this desperation because oh if i only change how i look then i'm gonna get my intimacy and again this doesn't work now Nothing against doing any of those things, but I think the intention behind those actions is really essential. It's like, do you really think that you need to shave your pubic hair to have intimacy in your life, right? Yeah.
0: What this, are we doing? I mean, this, this is so, so true, and that's where I was at. You know, that's where I was at too. It's like I felt that that part of me made me feel um, sort of, you know, not feminine. It was... Wild, it didn't seem right. And as I rediscovered how comfortable I was with myself, my body, shamanic dancing, this this experience of being in my body and all that hair was just was just who I am. So that was so well said, Magda. So so well said. And it's it's sad that, you know, these days Botox and fillers are not just confined to people who are aging, it's people in their 20s who are doing it to themselves as well, or even younger. It is it is really, really scary. Um, and I was just re- reading, was it yesterday, that um, teenage girls are really suffering from social media's influence? It is, it is a problem, and it's becoming a bigger and bigger problem. Um, and we have to be the ones that shift for the future generation, because they need role models, they need examples. Anyway, we come back to Tantra. Gosh, we can talk about this forever. The whole body thing is a big one. Another podcast. You know, matter. Go on, please. All go of
1: on. Is tantra, right? Like what tantra does is that it finds God through the material world. And if you want to find God inside of you, which is what you also said before, right? Instead of outsourcing power, that power is inside of you. If you want yeah. to find that power. You have to go through your physical body, and so you're not going to find the power inside of you if you hate your body, if you cannot love your body. You may still want to change it and mold it, etc. Right? That's okay. But you can. You may still be changing your body and loving it. But if you deep inside has a, have a belief that the way my body is is wrong, then you will never be able to find God inside of you because your body is God, right? Your body is divine, yeah. and this. That tantra also teaches. This is why in tantra we do practices with the with the body, right? We have these days we have more neo-tantric practices, but still tantric massages, like yoga, hatha yoga, it all includes the physical body because this element of loving your body, like if you want to be open, again you're opening your physical body, right? You're opening your senses. So you have to recreate this connection with your body. It is part of tantra.
0: Yes, yes. So well said. Thank you so much for sharing that aspect. It feels like I'm healing when I hear that. That's why I love doing this podcast. So so beautiful. Thank you. Um, So you have had a lot of experience now, you know, since you began that journey, when I first met you, you have become an experienced tantric practitioner, which is so beautiful. Um, would you be able to share any, you know, like what are the, the, the things that come up for you when you see men and women these days? Are there are there issues very much similar? Is there one issue that seems to be across the board? I mean, for women, I, I can imagine body and loving ourselves is a huge one. I think it must be for men as well. But what other issues have you seen that um, we, we we probably should be aware of? Maybe just one would be great because there's so much to talk
1: about. You know, the thing that i see the most between people it's maybe not even really tantric but it's more about communication and good effective communication starts with knowing yourself which is something we've already mentioned many times during this conversation right yeah. you have to know yourself the problem is that we we try to run away from ourselves so far <laughs> We're so afraid to go inwards, but you have to go inwards to understand what you really need, what you're scared of, what your boundaries are. You have to have this understanding of who you are to communicate it. Instead, what we have is men, women, and lots of couples that are not actually asking for what they need. Either they don't ask for anything. Or they ask for something else. And then they get upset that the partner doesn't meet their needs. And it's, again, it's all about outsourcing power, which you mentioned, right? I am too scared to go within to learn about myself. And I am putting this unspoken expectation on my partner that you are going to take care of all of my needs without me needing to ever actually learn what those needs are. And so I think this is for me, one of the biggest issues that I see that really creates a lot of, I think, issues for people. If I can truly connect to myself, and again, this is me going back to this, like me being schizophrenic and talking to myself and these different parts of myself. If I do that, then I know what I need. Then I can ask for it. And I can ask for it in a loving way, right? Because Because it's like, I don't need to attack my partner because I am not angry for them. I'm not angry at them for anything, at least not yet. So I express my need and then they have the right to respond. And they, again, here, they need to be able to connect to themselves, to know what is their truth. Are they able to meet me where I want to be met? And like, and through this, you start creating a good relationship, not just intimate relationship even the relationship with yourself really so for me this is the essential aspect you know and again it goes down to know yourself and knowing yourself comes from spending time with yourself contemplating self reflection whether this is a meditation whether this is a yoga practice breath work or journaling but you have to do this so instead of always running away from yourself and going partying and drinking or going to work, or working out all the time, actually spend time with yourself. Like invest in this relationship, and it will massively, massively change how we connect to other people.
0: Yes, I think you hit the nail on the head there. When I said one thing, wow, um, you're 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 so right. You're so 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 right. Ah, <sighs> that one aspect. I mean, it's it is incredibly powerful. It's like the only thing we're doing in existence is you know, communicating with everything around us. Um, from from you know, gardening, we're communicating with plants to when we look after ourselves, we're communicating with our body, to the people around us. Everything is communication. And you're right, if we don't have that intimate connection with ourselves, um everything isn't working. Powerful, Magda, so, so, so powerful. Um, I I have a question for you. Sorry, go on. Go on, Magda.
1: I I love what you said about communication. Everything is communication. We always communicate. I absolutely love it because you're right. We communicate all the time with everything we do. It's so beautiful. Thank you for sharing that.
0: (laughs) Thank you for bringing it up. Um, And I have a question for me this is for me, maybe someone else will be listening and they might re- resonate with it as well. So, you know, I'm currently um, in a long distance uh, situation with my, my my partner, a long distance relationship. And of course that means I'm not having sex. Um, and some, some days it's, it's easier than others, but um, you know, it is, it is what it is. And uh, sometimes I wonder, you know, what, what should the body have in terms of enough sex? Does Tantra provide that as a as as a reference, or what 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 would you answer for for that? What is enough sex?
1: I don't think I have the answer for what is enough, sex. <laughs> <laughs> but it's a good question. Um, well, I'll tell you differently. At the moment, I am single, so at the moment, I am not having sex. So again, what is enough sex? So maybe the way I would look at it is that. Um, everything we do in life is to meet a certain need. And so we're having sex for a certain reason. And that may be physical pleasure. That may be a release of stress Mm -hmm. in relationships. It's also going to be to intimately connect to the partner, but we are also having sex with the partner to solidify the relationship, right? It's, it's a bit like uh, can sometimes come a bit from a place of fear that, Oh, we need to be having sex to make sure that we stay together so there's a variety of different reasons why we will have it and basically if we think of a motivation of anything we do in life there are only two only two motivations one is to move away from the pain and the other one is to move towards pleasure so i would Mm -hmm. say for anyone in this situation i was just gonna spend some time contemplating right What is sex to me? What does it give me? So what pain does it allow me to avoid? And what pleasure does it give me? And then see if there may be other ways, right, to meet those needs that don't necessarily require physical sex with the partner. Um, Of course, you can have Zoom sex, you can masturbate, all of these things are there. And I would say, make the use of them. Um, But you know, when you have, for example, phases of celibacy, if you do it consciously, You can channel your energy like a lot of people when you have, um, you know, writers or artists or um, even in the past we had, you know, uh, uh, generals in the army like they would like they would not have sex because they needed focus in their life. So what if you were looking at these times when you're away from your partner as your intentional or conscious celibacy period? right? So in this moment, you have all of this energy. And what if you just use this energy to produce something? What if these times could be the most focused, creative, productive times in your life? I think, you know, I think a lot of it is kind of our approach and mindset, like how we choose to perceive something. Most of us think like, oh, I don't get to have sex with the partner because we're away. So we're focusing on what I don't get to have instead of on the positive aspect of the same. Oh, I now I'm cultivating all of this energy. What if this is my time to build my dreams, right? That go beyond the relationship. So that's probably something I would, um, I would tell anyone who is in that situation of the, of a long, long distance relationship. How does it
0: land? Because it, it, lands, it lands great because you know, I was gonna ask you what what should people who are single do? Um and I think you've answered that one too. It's 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 a it's a situation, I believe, you know, like we we talk about sex. I don't even like to use the word sex. You know, when I when I spoke about it with my with my 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 partner just now, after I said it, I was like, I don't really like that word very much. So um I think the right word to use would be intimacy actually and when I use that term I suddenly feel like there's so much more even for someone who's single it like answers so many questions
1: I also don't like the word sex and I hardly use it I use the word sexuality because to me it just feels broader if you say sex for me sex literally means like penis in the vagina that's kind of like what what my body feels when I say the word sex. Um, I also don't necessarily like the word like lovemaking because I feel like, I feel lovemaking is a little bit, um, you're still talking about sex, but you're just being naive because you wanna kind like, of making more poetic and romantic and everything. So I also don't like this term. I still think it's very limited. Um, because, mm. and I also, think that you you know, not everything needs to be about making love. Like I, me and my best friend, like we say the same thing that I like both to fuck and to make love, right? It's just a different spectrum of the experience. Uh, but I think for me, the word sexuality lends the best and exactly also intimacy because it, it reminds you that there's way more to experience than just penetration. So you can be very sexual. You can have a lot of intimacy, sexual intimacy, right? Through so many different channels and ways.
0: Thanks so much, Magda. And thank you so much for speaking to us today. We have reached the end of our conversation. I'd love to find out what you're working on now. What can we do to find out more about you?
1: So feel free to either go to YouTube um, at Magda K. This is you know the place where i am most active posting at least once a week i have this big 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 vision of reaching over two million subscribers so a lot of my energy goes <laughs> a lot of my energy goes into youtube so there's a lot of content being added there um and the second base place would be instagram at magda k official you can also go to my website magdak.com um to learn more about my services, my offers, et cetera. But if you want to connect and get a lot of like insights and tips and free content, then YouTube and Instagram are the best places for that.
0: Amazing. And you have an online school, right?
1: I do. So a few months ago, I launched the school of intimacy and it's basically, maybe it's like a little rebel in me. I can be quite rebellious that just kind of looks at the society and what we teach and what we don't teach um, our children and adults and exactly seeing just broken people trying to connect to each other and it's like well you know what this is something that needs to be taught so if no if no government wants to actually have a good education on relationships and intimacy well then let me create that <laughs> and that's how the school of intimacy um was launched um, i'm very passionate about it i keep adding more content there's there's already like over 50 hours of content many many different trainings and i will be adding more and more so i just have this big vision for this uh, hopefully next year we'll also have a certification program if anyone wants to also do this type of work uh, for a living um, so we'll have like business trainings inside as well to help people also make money from this if someone feels called to this path Um, and they want to go deeper into this you can totally make this your career make it your work Um, and i believe you know it's it's definitely worth to be making some money from this because this is when you get to share your gifts even more so that's the vision for the school of intimacy as well so yes this is something i'm very very excited and passionate about building
0: yay i'm so happy for you All right. Thank you so much for speaking to us today, Magda. The whole world has woken up where I am. I'm sure the background is quite obvious, but I'm going to let it be natural. Um, Thank you so much for the conversations today and um, we will be in touch.
1: Thank you so much for having me and for everyone tuning in.
0: Thanks everyone. Bye.